thank you for tuning in to Convos with Anita Santiago podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can reach out to me at convoscws at gmail.com. That's convoscws at gmail.com. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about mental health and wellness. And uh, as a mental health professional, that's my background. We often talk about mental health from the position of what's wrong, what's defective. um, And we give it a label, which adds to the stigma. But what if we looked at mental health like we looked at physical health? So in the physical health arena, they advocate for us to have a balanced diet, exercise, get plenty of rest, drink plenty of water. It's a holistic approach. And I would argue that we should take that same approach with mental health and wellness and talk about wellness more. Because if we talk about wellness more and we talk about having a better experience it's more likely that people will be encouraged or motivated or have the momentum to work on mental health issues so just to give you a little background I'm a licensed professional counselor here in the state of Missouri I'm also working on my doctorate in clinical psychology and my emphasis area is severe mental illness I'm very passionate about mental health um it, it has had a tremendous impact on friends and family. And so when I decided to make a career change, I said, you know, if I could make a difference somewhere, it's probably mental health. And boom, here I am. So I just want to give that background and that context. I love to do presentations on mental health. I know I've, I've tried to connect with organizations in the area and even on Zoom sometimes because I think educating people about what mental health is and what it isn't is so important we have a lot of misconceptions or misunderstandings around mental health so um, I'm going to jump right in and we're going to first talk about what is mental health like we hear that word all the time what is it well if you ask me mental health is what makes us us so in my mind Mental health includes the social aspects of our experience, relationships, interactions with others, how we get along with others, um, this, our spiritual side, whatever that is for you. Um, it's your sense of meaning. It's your your value filter. It's how you um, how you navigate the world. Your emotional side. Your emotional side includes your beliefs about things, your self-worth, what you think about yourself um, as an entity, and then the physical side of yourself, which is just that, your physical side. So all all those things together come together for our mental health. So... In essence, mental health and wellness is just really a large part of your everyday life. It's how you interact with others, get along, how you uh, your sense of meaning, how you navigate uh, through the world, uh, how you express your beliefs and what you do physically. And there you there you go. Um, Mental health. 
And so in my mind, mental health is not necessarily disease. We know that different mental health diagnoses um, come with different challenges. But when you think of the concept of mental health, not each little individual diagnosis, but the concept of mental health is not a disease. Mental health is not a disease. Mental health is not crazy. Sometimes when you talk to people and you bring up mental health, the first thing they do, are you psychoanalyzing me? I'm not crazy. Well, mental health as a concept can be something very positive and and not something negative. If we can just stop and think about it for a minute, how does this impact us? So in my mind, mental health is a personal journey with the goal of maintaining wellness. So instead of saying you have XYZ diagnosis and um, we're going to throw pills and, and things at it, and I'm not against medication, I think especially in circumstances where there's severe mental illness, medication is absolutely necessary. But instead of coming at it from the disease perspective that the person is diseased or defective, what about what if we change the conversation to you're on a journey towards maintaining wellness and not necessarily on a disease journey? I think that's pretty powerful when you switch the narrative. And that's not being in denial of the circumstances. I mean, when you're a diabetic or when you have high blood pressure and you have an episode, you understand it's very serious. You understand that can impact your life and you have conversations with your healthcare professionals about that. Well, mental health can be the same way. If you have a diagnosis, it could be serious. It could be very impactful in your life, but it does not mean that you cannot move towards wellness. So there is no health without mental health. So in order for us to be healthy, well, and whole, that means our physical health and our mental health because people are not, we can't separate people into physical and mental and spiritual. We're, we're all, it's all there inside of us together so we need to treat people and I say that as a mental health professional with a challenge to my colleagues we need to treat the whole individual we need to acknowledge the whole individual we need to respect the whole individual because our goal should be helping people move towards wellness and helping them understand what it is they're experiencing so improving mental health and wellness starts with understanding your unique challenges a person um, that has a severe disorder that happened at birth is going to have a very different set of challenges than um, a young adult who's experiencing a, a different diagnosis it's not that these diagnoses are you know like one is worse than the other i mean when you look at the dsm Yes, some diagnoses are more pronounced. They have more severe symptoms, but that's unique to the individual. And this is why you can have 10 people with depression and you can have them evaluated by 10 psychologists or 10 counselors or 10 social workers or 10 nurse practitioners. 
and they all uh, may say that each one of those individuals has depression, but it's going to look different. So, so the experience of mental health symptoms is very unique to the individual and it creates unique challenges that center around that individual. And this is why, in my opinion, so many programs and grants that have been thrown at different aspects of mental health don't work. They're the one size fits all approach. You miss people, people fall through the cracks. Maybe you get 60% of the people that improve, but the other 40% don't. And that's a lack of, of entities, organizations, and providers wanting to take the extra time to treat people as individuals. And I think in the medical field, I mean, in the medical um, realm, and I'm not anti-medical. I think we have great doctors and great nurses and all the other healthcare professionals, first responders out there. But just think of how much time it would take to treat each individual. So you have four people with stomach aches and they all come into the emergency room and the doctor really wants to take that time and give that person the individual attention and um, assessment that they've been trained in school to do. But that's not the environment of medicine today. Um, doctors and healthcare providers don't have the luxury to give that kind of individual um, assessment all, always. And I think you find that in mental health too, that counselors and social workers and psychologists and psychiatrists who really want to take their time and really fully understand their patients really have their hands tied by insurance requirements, contractual obligations to see so many patients, um, the need of people needing your services outweighing what you can provide. Because as you know, we have a crisis, a lack of mental health professionals at all levels. So again, all of these factors come into play um, and, and kind of prevent people from getting that really individualized assessment and treatment that they really need. But that doesn't mean that we can't advocate for it. And that's why the part about understanding your unique challenges is so important. You have to understand what those unique challenges are of yourself or your family member or your friend or your significant other or your partner who whomever is experiencing the mental health um, situation or illness understanding the unique challenges for that individual is going to help you be a better caregiver and um, a better advocate so again you know the mind body spirit it's a total package that's how individuals are made up and because of that uniqueness i think it demands that um that not only that people understand their unique challenges but that they start advocating for what they need so now we have an idea about mental health so mental health is the social emotional spiritual and physical part of our experience and when one of those areas of are out of balance that's when we can start to to see mental health issues so for example children who can't properly regulate their emotions they have a 
in, um, I don't want to use the word imbalance because I think it's thrown around too much, but children who are unable to self-soothe and regulate their emotions is like in the classroom setting. Now we have something that starts to look like ADHD or some of the other diagnoses that children um, uh, are often found to have. A person that um, whose physical health um, may not be in balance may be experiencing um, depression or anxiety or some of the other things that we know happen when people have mental health issues. So if you if you're if one of those areas in your life, physical, spiritual, emotional or social is out of balance, then you may see mental health issues. So some of those things that can impact us, toxic stress, this is stress that's chronic, it's ongoing, that you're exposed to repeatedly over a long period of time. Anxiety, depression. A lot of people um, know that diet and nutrition have an impact on mental health. But if you were to read some of the research studies, you'd be surprised at how a lack of vitamins and minerals on a regular basis, a deficiency in protein, B vitamins, D vitamins, um, a, a not having the right mix of nutrition, not just, you know, laying off the fast food and the soda, but actually not having the right mix of things going into your body can impact your mental health. So if let's say, for example, a person is eating healthy quote unquote so they're eating salads and fruits and vegetables and breads but they're getting way too much sodium and they put on a lot of water weight and now they don't feel good about themselves that could potentially i'm not saying it does but it could potentially lead to some mental health uh, concerns trauma and when we say trauma in the mental health field i mean for professionals it's not always, um, you know, lifetime movie type of trauma, losing your pet, a divorce, losing your job, losing your home, moving across country and leave, uh, moving from one end of the United States to the other, leaving your family behind. There are a lot of things that can be considered traumatic, but again, that's based on the individual's perspective and trauma that you have throughout your life can impact your mental health relationship issues uh, family history of diagnosis of mental health uh, we know that some disorders um, tend to occur in families even though there's not clear um, um, clear connection to heredity or genetic um, um, genetic passing on things genetically um, if your family has a history of depression or your family has a history of ADHD bipolar, schizophrenia um, and other types of disorders then the likelihood that someone else in the family could um, find themselves with that disorder goes up tremendously doesn't mean it's going to happen but it's a possibility and then if you've had an individual past history or mental health diagnosis, there are some things that if you are diagnosed as a child, you're very, very likely to develop something else as an adult. 
So all of these things we can experience in everyday life. All of these things may come into play uh, for any of us at any time, from the time we're a child to the time we're adult. And if we understand that, we may be able to understand the challenges that we have in mental health. And I want to say this, too, and it's very important. Not everyone has enough symptoms for a diagnosis. Often um, people have what we call subclinical symptoms, which means that you may have some, but not all of the symptoms, but yet the symptoms that you do have impair you. So you could ex be experiencing any or all of these things and never end up with a mental health diagnosis. And I just want to make that clear, but yet your mental health is impacted. So what are some signs that you may be having some trouble with your mental health? Well, we know this one is when you start to have problems uh, with sleep, you have sleep disturbance, loss of appetite is, an, is a big one. And again, these are not always indicative of mental health problems. Sleep disturbance can be a result of sleep apnea. It can be a result of having too much caffeine. Loss of appetite could be um, you have test anxiety and you have a big exam coming up or you're doing intermittent fasting and now you're just not hungry like you were. So again, these signs and symptoms that I'm mentioning are not exclusively indicative of mental health issues, but we do see them when people are having mental health uh, issues. A sense of hopelessness, just I can't see better days. I can't get to a better day. And if you've ever talked to someone who's who's very depressed, you can talk about being optimistic and positive energy, but they just can't seem to shake that sense that nothing will ever be good. Loss of interest in activities that they used to enjoy. Uh, maybe that person was a soccer player. Maybe they bowled in a league and now they it, that just doesn't interest them anymore. Withdrawing from friends and family. We see this not only in adults, but you see it in teenagers too. But then again, with teenagers, sometimes that's part of their developmental pattern. So you have to be really careful as a parent or family member to, you know, take a step back and say, you know, is what I'm seeing developmental, uh, a developmentally appropriate, or is what I'm seeing concerning frequent crying, um, panic or fear that's consistent and daily irritability that's a big one for kiddos so with kiddos um especially kiddos that are young I would say maybe five and under they really don't have the vocabulary to tell you what they're feeling they might be able to say mad sad happy but they can't tell you that Johnny is kicking the back of my chair and it's really pissing me off children don't have that kind of vocabulary so sometimes we see the expression of their emotion come out as irritability more than anything else and in fact um, there are many diagnoses in the dsm-5 which is what we use to diagnose mental health disorders um, that you know one of the criteria for children is irritability or within a series of particular illnesses the key feature or the key presentation is the child being irritable and again an irritable child does not mean necessarily the child is having mental health disorders but it's something you want to look out for hearing voices or sounds that other people don't hear 
and seeing things that other people don't hear. Again, those all of these symptoms would have to be evaluated to see if they really are mental health concerns. But those are some of the common symptoms and signs we see when people are struggling. So how do you know when it's time for help? Okay, I'm having some symptoms. I'm crying a lot. Um, I got a fear of getting on the highway. I don't know why it just started happening a couple of weeks ago. I'm just giving you some hypotheticals there. How do we know when it's time for help? Now, if mental health is a journey to wellness and we understand that we're seeing things that don't really make sense or that we're concerned about, we definitely need to know when there's a good point to, to seek out help. So here's the key. When those symptoms that you're experiencing or your loved one or your friend or the person you're caring for, when those symptoms incapacitate our daily life activities or make it difficult for us to function, it may be time to reach out. In the mental health field, field we call this impairment. If, if the symptoms are preventing you from doing things, keeping you from doing things, that you would normally do well I can't get out of bed now and I used to wake up faithfully at four o'clock in the morning or I just I eat here and there I don't even track it anymore but you were um, a regular you had regular meals before then when you see those kind of changes it may be time to reach out and there's several ways that you can find support and help for mental health concerns um, you can always talk to a qualified professional depending on where you live and what professionals are available. That might look a, a lot different for people um, based on their circumstances. And with COVID-19, uh, telemental health has really opened up access to professionals in areas where there were a lack of professionals um, and people could not get mental health services. So you may find that in this environment where you may not have providers physically located in your area, you may have providers that are servicing your area. So talking to a qualified pro uh, professional is um, one option. Support groups. Um, there are a lot of support groups, um, usually in areas for different um, aspects of mental health. Um, anything from um, domestic violence support groups, trauma support groups, substance use support groups. Um, support groups can be really, really helpful um, in helping you address those symptoms, especially if they don't rise to the level of, of a diagnosis. And then there are community groups. And when I think of community groups, I think of groups like Celebrate Recovery, Out Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, um, and there are so many more. Those are just the three that are right off the top of my head. Um, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Health, um, um, they, they have community groups and support groups as well. So community groups may be a great place to find support and work through some of the symptoms that you're having. So you have mental health concerns. You've realize that what you're seeing may may need to be evaluated and now you're going to select an appropriate space for you to get the help you need now 
we know that there are many barriers to mental health services. Um, the clients I, I work with, um, many different populations, uh, depends on the day. But um, especially in the African-American community, because for so long, mental health was used to um, uh, against people. Mental health was used. Mental health diagnoses were used against people. And those scars, uh, those scars, our community continues to carry. So now we're in a space where many, many people are having mental health crises and um knowing what the barriers are to mental health services may be able may help you to be able to better navigate what those services are so let's talk about some barriers so of course there's stigma which we're very familiar with stigma especially associated with certain diseases like bipolar disorder schizophrenia um, and some of the more uh, some of the disorders that have a more severe presentation and have more severe symptoms um, the stigmas related to these um, disorders can keep people from seeking help because it's bad enough that you're being labeled. But now the stigma that comes with that or the misconceptions that come with that, because maybe your family members or your caregivers don't understand the disorder um, and it makes everyone um, um, concerned. We have to start treating people like people people are not schizophrenics they are people that have been they are individuals that have been diagnosed with schizophrenia they're still our loved ones our daughters sons mothers fathers uncles aunts cousins and if we could just work on a stigma within our families we might even see a community change where we can embrace embrace those we love while encouraging them to stay on the journey to wellness because remember my concept of mental health is that it's a personal journey to wellness so we don't want you to stay where you are we want you to stay on this journey so that each day you feel a little better and your quality of life improves distrust of the medical care system that goes back decades especially in the african-american community and this discourages people from seeking help because they just fundamentally don't trust the system. Um, things have been dropped, overlooked. Um, people have had really bad experiences. So understanding that that's a barrier, especially for providers to understand that the distrust of of healthcare providers is real and that's something that needs to be addressed on our side as providers so that we create a safe space for people to come and get help confusion about what type of provider so this is a big one um, people don't understand what the different type of, of of mental health providers are and i'm going to go over that in a few minutes um, but that can be a barrier. I don't know. Do I need a counselor? Do I need a social worker? Do I need a psychologist? Do I need a psychiatrist? How, how do I know? I don't know. Well, we're going to break it down for you. And hopefully that helps. Um, lack of resources, lack of insurance, lack of money, no providers conveniently located with the Affordable Care Act. Um, insurance is much more available than ever before in many states medicaid has been expanded and does provide uh, benefits but you got to find providers and in a lot of places it's a lack of providers that take those insurances 
um, that's the issue. So um, that could be a barrier for people. Lack of diversity in providing in providers. Uh, inability to find culturally diverse mental health care providers can be a barrier um, depending on what group you're from. If you can't find anyone that looks like you and understand your culture, you're much less likely to try to work on those issues than if you can find someone that does look like you. And then scheduling issues. Um, people are working two and three jobs. Many providers are not open you know, late evenings or weekends. So those can be barriers to people um, getting help. So knowing what the barriers are can help us um, navigate the situation and be a better advocate for our um, for the people that we care about. So when it comes to um, the types of providers that are out there, this is just the Reader's Digest version of who's who in mental health and what do they do. So let's start with the top. You have the psychiatrist that is a medical doctor that typically provides um, medication management for patients. They Their goal is to help reduce the symptoms an individual is experiencing with uh, what we call psychopharmacology psychological therapy <laughs> or just medications so um, that's the role of the psychiatrist some psychiatrists do work in emergency rooms and acute care settings and they do do some assessments but for the most part um, medication management is their specialty psychologists psychologists may play one of two roles they're they're many many layers of psychologists but that'll be another podcast but just to keep it simple you have psychologists who provide counseling and psychologists who provide psychological testing those are the psychologists that when you come in with um, um with a concern they put you through a battery of tests and they take all that data they look at your records and then they conclude what your um what you're likely to be experiencing. Counseling psychologists are like counselors and licensed clinical social workers in the sense that they provide counseling to individuals, families, and children, depending on where they specialized. Social workers, uh, LCSWs provide um, counseling to individuals, families, or children, depending on how they're specialized. Some social workers may also serve as case management or case workers for individuals that have very severe mental illness um, that need assistance on multiple fronts. And then you have licensed professional counselors who provide counseling. They're limited in the sense that they only provide counseling, but that's their specialty. Um, they provide individual family or counseling for children depending on the areas they specialize and um, nurse practitioners as well so nurse practitioners sometimes perform assessments they perform limited assessments um, I do not think that nurse practitioners do counseling although I could be wrong on that so those are basically the um, who's who of mental health providers and so now when you go to the psychiatrist, 
and you know that all they do is medication management, but you're not feeling better, then that's the time to talk to the your counselor or your your caseworker because the psychiatrist, their role is simply medication management. If you have a licensed professional counselor and you feel like your medication is not working, the counselor can take that information and they can listen to you. But that would be a time to talk to your psychiatrist. And I think some confusion exists because, you know, if I say I'm a mental health provider, I should be able to do it all. But we don't do it all. We're, we're very specialized. And so it's important that people get to the right person so that they can get the help that they need so they won't be frustrated by a system that can be tough to navigate at times. So now we're coming to the part I really want to talk about, which is improving mental health and wellness. So you got some symptoms, you're going to get them checked out, you know what professional to go to now. Now you're ready to work on improving your mental health and really moving forward in your journey towards wellness. So what are some things that can improve mental health and wellness? We talked about things that can negatively affect it, but what what can improve it? We can start by reducing stress and you don't need to go to a licensed professional for this one. Reducing stress in your life. Looking at what the main contributors to your stress are. What are those main contributing factors? Job, driving in rush hour traffic, uh, finances, uh, worried about retiring. Whatever those stressors are, can you reduce them? Maybe you can eliminate some of them. If you can't do that, maybe you can restructure some of your stress. And maybe you can even simplify things in your life so that you're not always in a state of chaos. Reducing stress goes a long way to easing symptoms that people have, especially feeling down and sad and other things like that. Promoting physical health. There's a lot, there's a ton of research that shows a really strong relationship between physical activity and um, improved mental health and reducing severity of symptoms. So you can promote your physical health by, you know, increasing your daily activities, finding um, something that you love, Zumba, yoga, um, whatever floats your boat, so to speak. Group classes. There are many organizations like the YMCA that that hold group classes that you can take advantage of. So those are real, um, pretty simple ways to improve your, your physical health. And along with reducing stress, increasing your relaxation strategies, especially around bedtime. There's meditation, there's yoga, there are classes, uh, Tai Chi, which is a type of meditative exercise. Um, Maybe get a hobby. Maybe there's coloring or building. um, I follow a lady on Facebook that builds miniature houses and they are incredible. Hobbies can be very relaxing and give you that release that you need, especially if you have a stressful job or you deal with stress on an everyday basis. So with that being said, now you have a way to work on improving your mental health and wellness. Now, notice it doesn't say fix it. That's a different 
that's a different journey. Um, and and I think if we conceptualize mental health and mental wellness, we get out of the mode to, to feel like people are going to be fixed. Well, Susie was depressed and she went to a counselor and she she's just not the same person. That doesn't mean she's not on a journey to wellness. Maybe that experience changed her. But I think we really, really have to get out of the mode of thinking that we're going to fix people. We're going to um, fix them and all their problems will be gone. Some some illnesses are chronic and long term and some are not. But if we think of it as wellness, we're all on a journey to wellness. And wherever we are in our mental health, guess what? We can improve and do better because it's a journey. So I hope you enjoyed that topic. Thank you guys for listening and tuning in to Convos with Anita Santiago podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can reach out to me at ConvosCWS at gmail.com. That's ConvosCWS at gmail.com. Links to all the good information will be included in the podcast description. So make sure you check it out and grab your links.